Good afternoon. I'm Leon Davis, and you are tuned into Al- um, Altitude Adjustment, a pod- uh, the podcast that is um, produced once a week. It is intended for viewer interaction, and if you'd like to be a part of the uh, ongoing discussion while it's happening, please visit the website lionsdenstl.wixsite.com slash home and uh, you'll find all the information that you need to be able to join in the discussion. This week's discussion, um, I ran across an article during the week and I do my research to figure out which topics I'm going to cover and I ran across an article in um, on the Atlantic.com and this was by uh, a story by David Brooks and the title of it was The Nuclear Family Was a Mistake and I read the article. It was a pretty long article and I'll include a um, link to the article in the description so wherever you get the podcast um, you can uh, find the link and read the article for yourself it's about 28 pages about 28 pages of um, his argument about the nuclear family and so first let me define what the nuclear family um it's supposed to be how he defines the nuclear family and it's just the immediate parents and children and um, he says that the heyday of the nuclear family was between 1890 and 1960 um, so he went through the article and he provided um, and I'm going to assume that it's he um, you know sometimes people write under different names um, and there there was definitely times in the article where I questioned um, the gender of the, the artist or the uh, article writer but but anyway um, so he he wrote the article um, and and most of his argument was about the damage that the nuclear family has done to society and of course I challenge a lot of the assumptions that that are made in the article, and he uses a lot of data, a lot of uh, statistics to try to make his argument. Um, and some of the some of the things that um, he used to make his argument in the in the article, I wish he would have footnoted and given more information. Um, and I'll, I'll point out one of them, but uh, there were there were several places where I thought uh, a footnote would have been an excellent way to, you know, give someone better perspective on what he was trying to, to achieve in that at that moment. So anyway, um, I'm going to read this from early in the par- uh, early in the article, and then and then we'll I'll start talking about the articles. So in the article it says, through the early parts of American history, most people lived in what by today's standards were big, sprawling households. In 1800, three quarters of American workers were farmers. Most of the other quarter worked, most of the other quarter worked in small family businesses like dry goods stores. People needed a lot of labor to run these enterprises. It was not uncommon for married couples to have seven or eight children. In addition, there might be stray aunts, uncles, and cousins as well as unrelated servants, apprentices, and form hands. In quote, in um, open parentheses, 
uh, or sorry, open um, brackets. On some southern farms, of course, enslaved African Americans were also an integral part of production and work life. We're going to talk about that article right now. Welcome to Altitude, Altitude. Adjustment. Adjustment. Okay. So I don't want to dwell on so in, in the in the article um he talks about family health. He talks about how children were are harmed by the the current situation in the family that um so his idea of the perfect family was the extended family, what he calls the extended family, where aunts and uncles and cousins all lived together, that there were multiple adults in the family available for child rearing, for um, emotional support, for physical support uh, when, the, when one member of the family struggled. And so I fully understood why he was making that argument, but um, in the paragraph I just read, at the end of the paragraph, he talked about slavery and, and that and including that in a discussion about family made me really question um, how he was uh, defining family health. I could not imagine that someone would think that a household with slaves or with anyone that was oppressed within the family unit would still produce a very healthy family. And I'm not going to dwell on that, um, except I, it, it just brings a question to what do you define as healthy? A, a family's getting work done or um, uh, having chores completed is one aspect of family but but one of the things that I think and, and I'll make that argument as I go along is that the nuclear family actually was a growth of trying to have healthy families uh, so um he talks about how economic factors and uh, the women's movement and uh, all of these external forces were destructive to the family structure. Again, going back to his belief that, you know, having all of these people in one close environment was actually healthy. How, how all of those factors you know, help destroy the, the sense of comfort, the sense of belonging. Um, one of the things that he points out in the article continuously is that, is that more people supposedly feel lonely or left out because of the breakup of the nuclear family. And he, he pointed to um, a movie, and I didn't make note of that, where... Uh, the, the thrust of the movie was it started out with this big family 
And then it breaks down where parts of the family start to break off and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller until there's just one individual left. And this obviously individual is sad and, and disappointed because of the breakup or the breakdown, as he, con- he considers it, of, of the family. Um, I, I question the assertion that, that that large of a group is actually healthy and that um, as he points out that the extended family or the, the larger family where you had so many people living was in times when um, America was, a, or most communities were forming communities or um, small villages where everyone got to, had to know everyone else or work in close proximity or they needed each other. And because of that, there was a closeness that sprung out from that and it was out of necessity, I think more out of survival than out of um, a healthy way to define a family. Um, So take for instance, you've got five or six adults in a family in a close-knit family and they're all living together and then you add I don't know six or seven children um, there has to be a question about um, people I so he calls it selfish that people want to um, live in a smaller household or at least infers that it's based on selfishness or, or self-gratification that people break down into smaller, into the nuclear family or even single households um, and that that's, that's done out of um, selfishness. And, and I, I push back at that and I challenge that because I think a lot of um, health comes from the ability to not everyone has the same personality as you and the more personalities that you try to blend together the more difficult it becomes <coughs> the more challenging <coughs> pardon me <coughs> pardon me the more challenging it becomes where um, someone wants to have a long luxurious bath they need it they've had a long and hard day uh, or they've you know they've been out working and and it's been difficult and they just want a, an opportunity to sit and soak in the tub they're sore well they have to be conscious of conscious of all of the other people in the family if you are a person who needs who may need um, more time in the restroom more time in the bathroom and the, the house does not have you know, enough bathrooms where everyone can get into the bathroom when they want to or when they absolutely need to, um, it puts a lot of pressure and it causes a lot of resentment and friction within that environment. And so um, how does that friction, how does that uh, situation resolve itself to the benefit of the family um, with without people snapping at each other, people challenging each other, um, you know, 
people ex expectations of other people um, trying to be met in a in a way that is going to create peace and harmony in the family um, I understand that he believes that you know people can be there for one another um, you know if you've got more people um, you've got more opportunity where someone is going to be available for you to talk to someone is going to be there for you to lean on or to go to as a resource for a solution um, but there are a lot of other uh, challenges that come along with that availability that I think was overlooked overall the article was very glowing about the large family situation without pointing out a lot of the well actually I don't remember seeing any of the you know what are the negatives of having a large group of people um, try to live together that way. Even uh, communities or communes, uh, you know, have to have some form of um, problem resolution because of the different personalities that you have. Now, in the situation where you've got the nuclear family, there's a natural buffer in that situation in that there are two adults, uh, the parents, um, in the home, who managed the um, welfare of the children and are responsible for creating an environment where everybody flourishes. Now, there are definitely challenges to that, and I'll try to talk about that a little bit coming up. But, but there's a natural buffer in that. I have my household. Um, you have your household. It, it's quite acceptable that your sisters and brothers and cousins and nieces and nephews live next door to you or live in the same neighborhood or live within walking distance or or bike riding distance you know however and that they're there for you in this in the same way as if they were living in your household but it does allow for a bit of enough individuality where you develop as a person we, we all go through development as people and over the course of our lives um, we grow we're not perfect at 20 we're not perfect at 30 we're not perfect at 15 we're constantly growing and we're constantly um, becoming better ourselves and when we do that when we our, our growth then allows us to um, be of assistance to other people in the family um, sometimes being in a environment where there are so many personalities and so many um, challenges growth then is either can be stymied or slowed um, and it can become difficult to become a, a more of an asset to the people around you um, one of the things that he talked about was um, he made it seem that um, the current family situations was constantly morphing and changing, um, which I believe it is. But it is, it is with the intent, I think, with the intent that we better meet the needs of all the people in the family and not just a few. Um, so, so we've got um, the situation where uh, people are caring for children as well as their parents or older family members 
And those are challenges, you know, finding room for those. Um, in, in most urban environments, um, and I, I'm not going to speak to uh, suburban environments or uh, rural environments, I'm going to speak more to, you know, more the urban, you know, you got, in order to create jobs are centralized, there's, you know, more of an opportunity to, you know, find ways to finance your home. Um, but the, the living spaces aren't going to be, so you, you're not going to have a lot of eight and 10 bedroom homes that are going to be affordable. So how do you then space five or six or seven adults in such a way that, that everyone has the space that they need to have some privacy, to uh, access um, the resources in the home. It, it's great if you've got you know, someone, someone that says, oh, well, I'll do the cooking and is there to be able to cook when people need to, to eat. Not every, what we know is that not everyone likes to eat at the same time. You know, in that situation, do you force people to all eat or at the same time? Or, you know, you, I know there are ways to try to manage that, but the managing of that then becomes, because of so many people and so many different food requirements, becomes a monumental, a, a larger task. And it could require um, more people in order to solve the problem, and which could create another situation where um, it feeds on itself. I got to have more people to solve the problem. And now I've got more problems because I got more people to try to solve the problem that I had before. Um, one, uh, he also talked about, as I said, you know, having seven or eight children. Hmm. That so so while having a family that large can be exciting, it requires such amount of maintenance. I didn't have a I didn't come from a family that large, but I came from a family large enough where I, where we understood maintenance in the family and um, how to apportion resources so that. Uh, no one feels like they're not getting their share of resources, that they're able to um, feel welcome inside the family without, you know, taking away or dominating someone else's opportunity to feel um, a part of the family. Um, one of the things that uh, he mentioned in the article was uh, that, that everyone was responsible for child rearing. That, that if the parents, the direct parents weren't there at the time, there was always the grandmother or the aunt or the uncle or the cousin that could step in and do child rearing or even neighbors. And, and I think that neighbors can still be a part of that. That was, I remember um, growing up, there was, you know, if you did something out of line, then you, the neighbor could speak up and say, hey, you, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. But I think that that has changed, not because, not necessarily because of the change in the family structure, 
But when you have a society of multiple different um, ethnic origins, you have different child rearing requirements or you have different child rearing methods. Uh, even within um, any one particular uh, ethnic group, there are different child rearing methods where some people believe in, in spanking and some people do not. And um, having and having someone discipline your child, which you disagree with on methods or reasons for discipline creates an, another uh, situation where, where how do you resolve that? Maybe not how so much how you resolve that, because we understand that, you know, I'm, I am going to ask you to keep your hands to yourself if I if I don't believe in spanking, um, you know, getting permission to even impose your ideas or impose your ideologies on the neighbor's child has to first be uh, established. And we, we have neighborhoods where um, people aren't there as they once were where the, the factory was there people lived in the same neighborhood for 30 years um, and so w when you knew your neighbor and you understood what your neighbor believed was acceptable behavior and not acceptable behavior it would be easier to accept your neighbor disciplining your child whereas we, we've even at this particular point there was a time when the school was allowed to discipline your child that has gone away because people have different ideas about discipline for their children, uh, what things they want to teach their children, what things are important to them. And um, the idea that um, going back to larger families is going to resolve that, I honestly believe we're done with that. We're, we're done. There is a possibility that we could develop a national concept of what are basic um, acceptable ideologies for child rearing but um, I don't think uh, that you know, selfishness or my wanting to raise my child my way is the problem to a national, you know, we work together, a village raise a child kind of a thing. I don't think that that is the problem. I think it's, you know, defining what are the village rules and guidelines for dealing with one another, for dealing with one another's children and the ideologies that we want to put forth as a, as a group of people on how we, how we, what we expect out of behavior from people within our society. And we're still defining that to some degree. And until we have something solid that everybody understands that, it, that every, most everyone agrees with, it is going to be difficult to um, expect people to be able to step in and help rear someone else's children. Um, because you know the, the goal here is, is that we work together to achieve this. And right now we're having difficulty working together on, on a lot of things. 
And until we've reached that point where we're able to work together, where we see the goal as a unified goal, where we see the objectives as unifying and achievable for all of us, um, we're going to have the difficulty. We're going to have that separation of, you know, not being able to um, reach into someone else's life and be of assistance. Um, one of the things that um, he pointed out was that money, wealth, wealthy people were able to buy extended family support. And so it made me think, you know, that he's saying, you know, money provides a better outcome for family and family development. And I disagree. Um, so, so there are many people in our family and he pointed out, um, uh, single families and, and things like that and the things that they struggle through and I, I understand looking at it from that angle but um, if you live in a neighborhood where people have decided to band together to assist each other to realize that it does take a village to raise the children I maybe am, have a few hours in the evening where, you know, I can sit outside and watch to see how the children are playing. Because, you know, if you're a single parent or if you're a two income household, you know, being out and about with your children all the time becomes extremely, I, I would say extremely difficult. And it would be great if there were other eyes to help you manage, you know, your child being down the street four blocks away, two blocks away, three blocks away, whatever the case may be. And someone could be looking out for them. Um, that is possible even without the extended family. So a lot of the um, uh, attributes that he attributed to uh, an extended family can be achieved by, by closer connection with the people around you. Um, there are people who live in a neighborhood who don't know who their neighbor is. And, and for whatever the reason that might be, it could be that they're working so much or um, it's, they're new to the neighborhood or they don't like the people that are around them. Um, whatever the case may be, um, they're not connected to the community. So the connection to the community then becomes the, the, the stumbling block to achieving a better environment for the family. And until we see that and try to find better ways to build communities, better ways to connect communities, better ways to support communities, because part of, um, of governing in a society or in a society where the government is of the people, a part of, uh, the responsibility of the government is to help build and support communities and communities' efforts to integrate one another um, so that so that we all feel connected. Loneliness can be um, self-imposed and not be a factor of family uh, design or family makeup and 
until we see one another until we see each other as necessary a necessary part of our world that understanding that if my neighbor is not healthy then my neighborhood suffers um, until we until we see our our part in helping out the people around us we're going to have you know situations where people feel left out because there is an, not an attempt to build bridges and build connections that are necessary for the uh, strength and development of communities and families and I think you know if we if we have a healthier community we can't we can only then have healthy families it would be difficult for a healthy community to produce an unhealthy family because all of the support is then built into the community it is all a part of the community it is and and and, and getting assistance with troubling circumstances is going to be simple because the community automatically in its design or in its execution supports the family it supports the individual so um, he pointed out like I said in the article that you know it was people's uh, selfishness or, or self-orientedness that was the problem and I kind of disagree I think um, he also um, and I definitely wanted to get this in for um, he blamed part of uh, the problem on the feminist movement and that um, because women had greater freedom it was a, a selfish kind of a selfish um, action that caused greater harm to the family um, one of the things he says uh, for one thing most women were relegated to the home uh, many corporations well into the mid 20th century barred married women from employment companies would hire single women but if those women got married they would have to quit demeaning and disempowering treatment of women was rampant um, this is one of the things that I wish he would have footnoted I wanted to get an idea of what was this um, demeaning and disempowering that he was uh, specifically pointing to um, it goes on women spent enormous numbers of hours trapped and you have to listen to the language trapped inside the home under the headship of their husband raising children I want to repeat that because I think it's worth repeating women spent enormous numbers of hours trapped inside the home under the headship of their husband raising children one of the things that I think that the women's movement did and um, was to help recognize the contribution of women to the family that because the man was the breadwinner that did not make his contribution automatically greater than the woman's contribution which was maybe the domestic side of it that there was more, 
that were equal aspects of a family that were necessary for the health and survival of the family. Using the word trapped, maybe, and I, I told you, I, I, it made me question whether there were things in the article that made me question whether this was a um, man that wrote the article or maybe uh, there was a woman that wrote the article using uh, a, a different name. Um, one of the things that I think, and, and I'm going to make this the last uh, that I am going to talk about. I have extended my time for a little bit. One of the things that I think was helpful and important um, was the recognition that emotional health is just as important as mental health and physical health. Our expectations of people's contributions and families and business has centered around previously the benefit of the man. And men were not supposed to feel. They were not supposed to um, you know, be emotional beings. So, so everything was centered around the non-emotional male and getting things done. Marriages were formed based on the idea that, you know, the, the man is the head of household and they make all the decisions and the woman was subservient and whether she liked or disliked what was going on, the man was in charge. Changes to that were designed to help build healthier families, to ignore that someone else has a problem with things that you may be putting forth as what is necessary for the family, recognizing that your partner, um, and and I know I'm I'm talking about an aspect of heterosexual partnerships, but it applies to heterosexual and um, homosexual partners, uh, families, recognizing that that your partner may have difficulty with some of the decisions that you make, and being cognizant of that and at least making an effort to address that is better than assuming that you're right. And maybe you are right or the person's right, but not taking into account the emotional needs of someone else in the family can be just as devastating by, as, as just ignoring them. And that's basically what happens. So as the author says, the nuclear family was a mistake. I, I disagree. I push back against that. Or I question that. I think the nuclear family was a, a necessary outgrowth of helping us to define that, that emotional help or emotional health is just as important. We may eventually go back to large families. There may be a need. Um, Currently, there probably is not a need. And, and that's why those families no longer 
are the mainstay of society. I think we adapt based on party on the needs uh, of the society. And right now, we're we're I think we're going through a time period where we're recognizing that that emotional strength, emotional support, emotional understanding has to be crucial to how we deal with people as we move forward. And I think once we've achieved that, once we've uh, reached that point where we recognize that emotional health is important and then we address that on a regular basis, it is a part of the decisions that we make, it is a part of the ideas that we put forth and and it is what's included in, in all that we do. We may move, who knows where society will move. There may be other items that we need to address that we didn't think about before, that we didn't see before, but at least we know we've achieved that and we've moved forward or we moved beyond that point. So it is important to get to that point as a society and not just as individuals. Um, our language um, trapped, you know, you, you women weren't, well, um, hopefully pe people don't see themselves as trapped being the domestic family member. Um, it is a job that is absolutely as important as bacon on the table, bills being paid. All of those things have to be done for a healthy family to exist. And so hopefully we will um, make sure that we're uh, working towards that as we move forward. And as we find things that are necessary to be addressed inside the family, hopefully it will not take years and years and years and lots of fighting in order to be able to see that those things need to be addressed and addressed now. You know, society moves, seems to move slowly because the more people that you have to convince of something, then the longer it usually takes in order for that to be addressed. I want to thank you very much for joining me this afternoon. Um, I have uh, enjoyed doing this. I'm going to close this podcast right now. Oh, come on. <laughs> That's my assistant. <laughs> That's my assistant. Um, again, like I said, I want to uh, thank you so very much for joining me this afternoon. This podcast, um, the video portion of this podcast is available on YouTube. Uh, to find it, all you need to do is search for The Lion's Den STL. Um, and the audio podcast is going to be available on Stitcher.com, Anchor.com, the iTunes Store, Google Music Play Store, and pretty much anywhere you look for audio podcasts. Please consider supporting this podcast by visiting anchor.fm slash altitude-adjustment2. The internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please like, share, and comment on this and other episodes wherever you find them because it matters. As always, be cool, be calm, and above all, be careful. Look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you. <laughs>